Welcome to the FaithBridge Sermon Podcast. Be sure to keep watching immediately after the sermon for Postscript, a weekly podcast with in-depth content and answers to your questions submitted during the sermon. You can also find it on iTunes or at faithbridge.org slash postscript. Happy New Year. I'll say it one more Sunday. Glad that you're here. If you're in Cinecourt East or Cinecourt West or at the Woodlands or online, however it is that you're here, we're really glad that you're here. So before turning to uh, God's Word and to kind of what uh, we're going to start in this new series about, I want to kind of close out the old year by bringing you a year-end update. Every quarter, we try to bring just a brief five-minute update of here's kind of uh, financially in terms of the generosity and everything, how we're doing, because we're kind of all in this together. And like we've explained before, there's not like grant money or government support. I mean, it's just all us and all the things that happen. Uh, here on the Klein campus, at the Woodlands campus, bridging for tomorrow for our Title I schools, for the international missionaries and everything, it's all because of just our generosity. So if you were here in 2016, you know at several points where we dropped in quarterly, we were having a good year and we were on budget, we were in the black, uh, one or two quarters just barely, and uh, But then the fourth quarter, first month, second month, just the bottom fell out. And we were so confused and so perplexed and asking ourselves, what has happened? What what is going on? Why has it gone this direction? And, um, And... we're having meetings and trying to figure out who are we going to cut? Who do we lay off at this point? And what ministry is going to suffer? For, is it the kids? Is it the youth? Is it the missionaries? And we just call them and say, sorry, it took a turn we didn't see. And, you know, all it's just really caused me a very stressful Thanksgiving. But anyhow, um, so, so that's kind of where we were. And I'm talking with the Lord and begging and pleading and confessing sins. I hadn't even gotten around yet to committing. Just to anything to get it to turn around, God, anything to get it to turn around. And in the midst of uh, that, I felt like the Lord gave me three things and just sort of nudged me to, to do three things. The first of those things I'm going to tell you about that I didn't tell you about until now. The first of those things, I felt like the Lord said, I, you need, I need you and your staff and your leaders to be praying more intentionally for your people. So he divvied up all the names and put them on these lists of about 40 or 50 and gave a list to each person on our lead team and each of our lay elders and a bunch of other prayer partners. And so you have been being prayed for for the last month of the year, every day. It's what we asked of our leaders to do. You're saying, well, what did you pray for us? Well, we were just praying that God would pour out his blessings upon you and your family, if you have family, and that he would uh, pour out blessings upon you as you went into the holiday season. And that as that happened, you would be mindful to pour some of those blessings uh, into his kingdom work and that you would share some of those blessings uh, for his purposes. Interesting thing. 
you never can tell exactly, you know, one for one, how, how does a prayer, how did our praying over here lead to this over here? But we did get, occasionally you do get a one for one. So this was an interesting thing. You know the video that we saw two or three Sundays ago, cute young couple, they were just dating and they were talking about how they just had listened to me come and pour my heart out that Sunday in December and, and they just felt like the Lord said, so we're gonna give our $100 gifts, or the equivalent, we're just gonna give it to the Lord and not give gifts for each other. And I went back and I was looking on my list and he was on my list. I didn't even tell him that until this past week. Um, now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, I hope I never get on your prayer list, you know, because <laughs> I kind of like my Christmas presents, you know, and, and so, um, which was not what I was praying. I was just praying what I already told you, but you know, you never know how God's going to answer. And so it was really kind of, you know, just, wow, look what God um, does. So the second thing that we did in addition to prayer is we created this stand in the gap fund, sort of this, just the special extra bucket to um, inspire those of us who weren't in between jobs and who could uh, do above and beyond what we were normally doing, or any number of us, and many of you did do this. You stepped in with a first time gift you'd never given before, and but you did. Um, during this month because of the, the invitation, the challenge that, that I extended. You're like, well, what, was, what were you standing in the gap for? Well, we realized that a good portion of our congregation are employed or were employed by oil and gas industries, which has been kind of rough, but hopefully, Lord willing, it's gonna be turning around here pretty soon. But we realized, okay, maybe this is where that red arrow is. It, there's just like this gap, and, but we're big enough now. We're a large enough church, and surely there's enough health and collective generosity that we could close that gap for people who have to, who, who, who've had to pull out of their giving, uh, which would be more uh, normal for them. And so we created that gap fund with a goal of 500000 which was a stout goal for 27 days, the last 27 days of the year, you remember. And, <clears throat> but we said, who knows, maybe the Lord will bless us. Well, uh, Christmas Eve came, and Christmas Eve was a rough day for the Warlines because in the Warline home, a stomach virus hit us like a tornado. Bam, bam, bam. It was just really, uh, as a matter of fact, if I ever get Alzheimer's, I'm hoping that this past Christmas Eve and Christmas will be one of the first memories it claims. And so there was a, but at the end of Christmas Eve services, I got a text that said, believe it or not, look what has happened to the Gap Fund. Take a look. So um, by the end of Christmas Eve services that night, we had closed the Gap. Yeah, isn't that awesome? Sure, you can clap. Praise the Lord. So that was cool. And the news gets even better because there were seven more days in the year and any number of you are like, oh, I still am going to do that. And I'm going to do it electronically and, uh, or it's in the mail, and it's, and it's, but it's postmarked and all that sort of thing. And so look what happened the last week of the year after Christmas Eve. The Gap Fund even went beyond. Yeah, isn't that huge? <laughs> Nearly $623,000. 
So we were, and, and this is yet something else that happened. Um, so we had this thing that was going on, but all around it was just people who are just, you, you normally, you're kind of a regular giver, uh, and, but maybe you've kind of been busy or you've been traveling or whatever, and, but you heard my thing that day and you're like, okay, but I know you said to, like, don't move what you would have normally do from this envelope to that envelope and act like it's a gap fund if it's really just, you know, and so, so, so normal giving was stimulated and um, f- fanned into flames to the end that by December 31st, our overall um, year-end uh, numbers made 2016 one of the most generous years we've ever had. It was amazing. A huge praise to the Lord. So nobody has to be laid off. We don't have to make any terrible phone calls uh, to people telling them overseas, sorry, we can't partner with you after all. Um, You know how we took on debt in 2015 for the children's ministry building because that's when the downturn really hit and it hit pretty bad for us. But now we can make a big chunk uh, uh, out of that to sort of catching uh, back up. So there's just so many good things, so much uh, relief. And so um, I just wanted to bring uh, that update to you. Um, But that leads to the third thing that we did and to which I would attribute much of what happened this past month. You remember we went back to the basics. And so for those several few weeks in December, I just said, you know, I, I don't want you just to focus on being generous. I want you to, let's, let's see if we can't uh, stimulate back to life some of the other spiritual rhythms of any successful Christian um, walk with the Lord. Um, the da- daily Bible reading and daily prayer as well as generosity. Um, and, and I would be willing to guess that much of what has happened here is that all of these um, were sort of brought back to life in a number, number of people's um, walks uh, with the Lord this past month. Because here's the interesting thing. You can't very well read the Bible without then setting it aside and wanting to talk to him more. And then that's prayer. And you can't talk to him more for very long before you'll begin to hear him sort of whisper back to you and give you impressions and thoughts that will be coming back. And among those, you'll hear him nudge you. You'll feel him nudge you and say, hey, you know, I've poured out blessings upon you. Now I want you to pour some of those blessings into my kingdom work and to helping other people. Um, um, with fewer resources. And so you see how these things kind of um, work together. Well, the end result is we finished the year in a place that I never asked or imagined that, that God was going to take us when we were at Thanksgiving. And I am so uh, thankful and grateful as your pastor. That I think perhaps the most exciting thing for me is that it evidences a health in our congregation that deep down I knew, I just knew, I thought, at least I trusted, I wanted to know, and that, I, that is there, a greater health and vibrancy. Um, 
which is what I want to talk about in our own spiritual lives individually for the next few Sundays. Um, it's just the spiritual health question. Now, I bet that any number of you, uh, probably as we rolled into the new year this past week, you probably made a little list of some things that you want to do. So maybe you didn't literally make the list, but in your mind, you made the list. You know, I want to go to the gym more. I want to eat better. Uh, I want to spend less time on social media. I want to spend more time with my kids. I, I want to clean out my closets and just like you know, don't hoard as much and, and simplify and all this standard fair sorts of New Year's resolutions, right? But as I was pondering it, it occurred to me, the problem with those types of resolutions is that they're all exterior things. They're all outside things. They're all external things. And so there's nothing really wrong with them. It's just that they don't go deep enough, deep enough how? Deep enough into our soul. That's the problem with these types of, I think, goals. They're all just on the externals, not on the internals or the soul aspect of our lives. But really, when you think about it, that's kind of how a lot of our lives operate. We focus a lot on the externals, really on the things that you can see. We have maintenance programs for, uh, I was at the dentist a while back and the lady came in and said, we've already made your appointment for the next six months and that's when you'll have your x-rays and da da, da. I'm like, wow, isn't that interesting? They got it all structured for you. Uh, you know, and, and we, we have maintenance programs for our cars to make sure that they keep running. We have maintenance programs for our lawns and, and fertilizer and, and you know, all these external maintenance programs but very few of us have any sort of maintenance program for our soul on the inside. And this is my concern. It's not that we don't want to grow our souls. It's just like, well, I'm just so busy. I got all these other things out here and I'm going to get to that. My fear, though, my concern is that any number of us are going to, when we finally get to that, we may discover I got to it too late and end up being like that large sequoia tree in Northern California that I was reading about that stood 240 feet in the air and then one day unexpectedly just toppled, dead and gone. And so the experts came around it doing the post-mortem on how in the world did this huge sequoia tree that had stood here for hundreds of years, how did this happen? And they finally concluded, well, it happened because the root system of the tree had been trampled by so many tourists that it had just withered and died, that they just killed the root system. And there was nothing sustaining it and holding it up and down it came. And I got thinking to myself, that looks like a lot of people. That looks because because all of us, we were, I mean, <laughs> We, we want to think, don't we? We want to think my root system is strong and it's vibrant and it's going to sustain me. And, but then another Christian topples. Like how? Well, another Christian flies off the handle and screaming at her kids, screaming at her husband. Kaboom. Or another Christian, you know, slips away to a, secretive place to indulge his fleshly desires in, in pornography. Or another Christian, um, you know, runs off and gives into the impulse to just 
buys something and like thousands of dollars and just plunges his or her family deeper into debt when they really wanted to and needed to get out of debt and kaboom. Or where another Christian, uh, you know, cheats on an exam. It's just like kaboom, down it goes. So the question that I want us to deal with uh, today and for the next few Sundays is how strong really is your root system? How strong is your soul? You say, what does that word mean? And when you say soul, I'm just talking about your inside self. How strong is your inside self inside the part of you that we can all see? How strong is your soul inside of you. I want you to turn in your Bibles to 3rd John. That is not the Gospel of John. It's not the little letter of 1st John or 2nd John. It's 3rd John. It's very back of the Bible, nearly to Revelation. If you need a Bible, just raise your hands in all our rooms, and the ushers are bringing down a stack of them, and they'll just be glad to let you borrow one. And, and so you flag them down, and, and you turn your Bible to 3rd John. There's not even chapters of this book because there's only one chapter. And so we're going to look at one verse. But before we look at that verse, let me give you the background. So this letter was written by the Apostle John, who wrote the other John books that I just mentioned. And you remember, John was one of the 12 original disciples. As a matter of fact, he was the one of the 12 who did not die a torturesome death of uh, painful martyrdom. He didn't get chopped in half or beheaded or crucified or, or any of those things that the other disciples did. He's the only disciple who lived uh, uh, all the way into old age and died of natural causes. And don't you know that right up to his final years, that when people got around John, they would just be like, John. So like, dude, you are the only person still alive who hung out with Jesus. And he's like, yeah. For three years, I mean, we did everything together. I mean, slept under the stars. I learned so much. I watched them, you know, walk on. I, I, I was there. Oh, my gosh, you have to tell us. You know, can, so just imagine, this is the John who is going to write this letter. And he's writing to a man named Gaius. And we know at least this much about Gaius, who he's writing in John, Third John. We know that he was a spiritually vibrant um, uh, soul. He was a healthy soul, Gaius was. And he's uh, uh, walking with the Lord closely and being faithful. And, and, and John's going to form a little contrast with another person whose name he's mentioning, but I won't even mention it because that's not really the purpose of, of the, uh, this message. What I want you to notice is verse 2. That's the only verse we're going to look at. Simple sermon. Simple sermon uh, today, right now, but with a big application, as you'll see in a few moments. So look at what he writes to Gaius, this selfless, healthy soul. He says, now, dear friend, verse 2, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you even as your soul is getting along well. Now, I want you to think about what John was writing. He was saying, I pray in every way 
that you may prosper, that you'll be in good health. Now, we still say that sort of thing today, don't we? Be healthy. and um, you, So nothing different there. But what's unique is that then he says, just as your soul is prospering. Now, here's the question um, that I want to ask you. And again, just to make sure we understand, John is saying, okay, so Gaius, I don't know everything about you, but I know your soul is so healthy that I'm just going to pray that every aspect of your life, your family, your finances, your, your health, everything, it all just be on par with your, with your spiritually healthy soul. Here's the question. If someone were to say, I'm going to pray that your family, that your finances, that your job, that your da-da-da-da, your marriage, that it all be just as healthy as your soul, would you say a hearty thank you? Or would you say, no, don't pray that they'll all be better than my soul is, right? And I'm afraid that many of us, if we were honest, would say that's probably how we would answer that question. Because here's the funny thing even though our soul is the only part of us that will last forever. Our externals, the parts that we see, those are the parts we'll bury in the ground in 10 or 20 or 50 or more years, right? It's your soul that's the one part of you that's gonna go on forever, and it's the one part of you that I dare say, and me, all of us, I, um, that we all spend the least amount of time focused upon, working on, prioritizing, cultivating, growing into a big, strong, healthy soul. This is the problem. And that, I think, is ironic because our souls are going to last a lot longer than our lawns, than our cars, than our teeth, you know, and all those things that we have, these maintenance programs, but, but where's the maintenance program for our soul? The part of us that's going to last forever. Tim Keller points out, Christianity is a religion that embraces some profound beliefs. Such as what? Such as that there, there's one true God and that that one true God put himself into the man, the flesh and blood Jesus, became a man and walked among us. And that this Jesus lived a life of sinless perfection that none of us could ever live, though we all wish we could all live that way. But he lived this life of sinless perfection we couldn't live. And that then he died the death of punishment that he didn't deserve, but that we all deserved. And then on the third day that he rose from the dead, conquering the grave, and signifying to all of us, if you connect yourself to me, Jesus speaking, if you connect yourself to me, you too will conquer the grave. You'll live forever. You'll have life. Now, even as I was saying those, some of those basic beliefs of Christianity, any number of you were like, check, yep, uh-huh, yep, I believe that, I believe that. Why is it that so many of us, why, why is it that we believe all these profound things, but it seems to have no impact whatsoever on our behavior. You're saying like, well, what do you mean? I'm thinking of how so many of us are like, check, check, I believe in you know, Jesus, uh-huh. I, I, that's me, I believe that. 
why are we still so selfish? Why are we still so greedy? Why are we still so overwhelmed by our problems, just like the people who don't embrace these beliefs? Why are we still drawing our identity from what we've accomplished or how we look on the outside or how much we weigh or what size dress we wear? Why is it that we, that we believe all these profound things and they have no bearing whatsoever on our behavior, on our being? It's like there's no bridge between our beliefs and our being. And this is a problem. It's a problem of the soul. So what is it that can bring the two together? I'm going to tell you right now. It is those spiritual practices. Spiritual disciplines, some have called them habits, holy habits. They've gone by different names over the centuries. But rhythms, they're, they're, they're just these things that they're like tools in a toolbox. Now, I'm hardly one to ask about tools or a toolbox, but because I'm not handy, but, but I know this much. You got to have in your toolbox at least a hammer and some pliers and a screwdriver, right? That's about all I have. And I don't even know how to use those. But, but any good toolbox has to have some basic tools. And so it is with the toolbox of your soul. We've got to have some basic tools that we're able to draw on if we want to grow our soul, if we want to strengthen that root system underneath us so that we don't end up somehow, how did I topple? I mean, I, ha I held to these great beliefs, yeah, but they didn't have one bit of bearing whatsoever to your behavior, to your being. Why? Because you never filled your toolbox. You, beyond filling it, you never used the tools to bring those two together. It's just like it is in the physical realm. For years, I believed, I mean, I held to the belief uh, for years, I don't need so many saturated fats or processed sugars. It was not a problem of belief. I believed those things. The problem was my behavior did not evidence that. And so there was a big, big disconnect between my beliefs and my being, right? Until last February 1st, I drew a line in the sand before God and several trusted people and said, this has got to change. I'm already on this lease, second lease of life and I, I, I cannot keep monkeying around about this. I've got to um, implement some new habits, some new uh, behaviors. So I've, I've got to access some new rhythms or, or disciplines that will bring what I already know and believe together with who I want to be. And that's where I began to make progress, just by going back to it day after day. Not that every day was great, but that I, at least I, I had a plan to get back to it. And so it is with our souls. We've got to have a plan that will use these basic tools. The tool that I want to talk about today, uh, and, and you're like, oh my gosh, are you just getting started? No. There's, yeah, um, <laughs> we just got a few more minutes, but, but I want to make them um, meaningful in, our, in the balance of our time. I, I want to talk briefly with you about Bible reading, daily Bible reading. Now, I know even as I say that, any number of you are like, 
oh man, why didn't you start with them? I, that's the one I'm terrible at, you know, and, and couldn't you start it? Or, or, is there a pill, you know, and I could just knock it out that way. And, and, no, there's not. And um, there's, but I, I came upon this, this great quote from the late Adrian Rogers, who was a preacher over in Tennessee. And he wrote, the word is so majestically deep that scholars could swim and never touch the bottom. And yet the word, God's word, the Bible, is so wonderfully shallow that even a little child could come and get a drink of water without ever being afraid of drowning. And he's right. I think the problem with many of us when it comes to God's word and daily Bible reading, we just, we've not had a plan to know how do I do it? How do I approach it? And so any number of us um, have gone after one of two extremes. We just don't do anything. We just don't even try. And so we have non-existent Bible reading life. Or we've gone to the other extreme and said, I'm just going to just, I, I'm going to sit down and read the whole thing right now. You know, you know, like you could just drink the whole fire hydrant like that. And, and so it's no wonder that we sort of fall off uh, after, you know, January 3rd. And it's like, I, I just, that ain't going to work. So here's what I want to do is uh, just sort of move uh, uh, proverbially uh, or uh, metaphorically to my uh, living room or my study. And um, I want to uh, just share with you how it is that I do my uh, daily Bible reading. See if I can't demythologize it for you a little bit. Okay, you're going to have to have four things. The first thing you're going to have to have is a Bible. Imagine that. Now, um, <laughs> any number of you right now are like, okay, so see, even that brings up a question. We're like, which Bible, there's like the NLV and the NIV and the NLT and the NAS, I mean, there's so many. And, and wh what about this? And what about that? And is this one okay? And is this one okay? So I don't want to take time right now to talk about that. Uh, watch our postscript uh, recording. The, the, we'll tape that in a few minutes after this service and we'll post it up by this evening and you can go for 10 more minutes and you can, I'll talk a little bit more about that. Second thing that you're gonna need is um, a journal. Um, what kind of journal? Well, it could be a spiral, just an old fashioned kind of, that kind of journal or a moleskin or, or maybe you're an iPad kind of person or, or a laptop or you're more of a, you, you don't really write much. You kind of type everything, and that's great. But you've got to have some way that you're going to ref, uh, record your thoughts, okay? The third thing that you're going to need is you're going to have to have a plan uh, to read the Bible. Because, see, here's what will happen. If you don't have a plan that says, says today you're going to read this chapter or these two chapters or, or whatever, then, then what will happen is you'll default to two or three or four verses that you know. You're like, well, here I am. I'm going to read the Bible. I have no foggiest idea where I ought to start. So I, I, well, I did hear Psalm 23 at a funeral, and that's always a nice one. I'll read the 23rd Psalm. You know, and then the next day you'll show up and you'll do the same thing. And, and, but there's a lot in the Bible that God wants to say to you, you, you beyond the 23rd Psalm or John 3, 16, or, you know, something like that. And so having a plan that will actually get you through 
um, can be very, very helpful. We've given you a plan, by the way. In, the, in, in your bulletin, you've got a little bookmark today. And this is for the first quarter of the year. And we'll give you these the rest of the quarters of the year um, as they come by. Just, uh, uh, and this is a plan that will actually get you through the whole Bible in a year. If you wanted to do that, some of you say, I don't know if I'd better take off that, take on that big of a challenge. And uh, if that's the case, uh, fine. What if you just took on the New Testament? Just do the New Testament readings. Um, some of you are like, I don't know if I know the difference between them. Just go to the table of contents uh, in your Bible and you can find out which ones are the, the New Testament books. It's very attainable. I'll talk more about it in the postscript, still other plans and, and some other approaches um, that I find meaningful. But we just wanted to, to, to load your wagon with at least one good one, which incidentally is also on our app. If you go to the FaithBridge app, um, you, can, you can access it and just link right into the readings every day um, if you want to use um, this plan. And then the fourth thing that you got to have um, if you're going to meet with the Lord, hear from him and, and his word, is you got to have some sticky notes. Now you say, what do I need the sticky notes for? Well, I'll tell you. No sooner do I sit down to meet with the Lord. I tend to do mine in the morning just because that's how I do best. And no sooner I sit down and, and get my coffee that didn't show up here and um but then I'll think to myself oh I forgot I told her I'd get the oil changed and I didn't get the oil changed and I also said I'd go by and get butter and I didn't get the butter and I gotta go you know and 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 this is what happens uh to me and so but you you can't let that happen if you're going to really work on the soul um you, you got to stay with this a few minutes. So, but you have a little sticky note and you just write up, you know, set it there. And just say, you know, I'll get back to this in 20 minutes. But not now. I'm freezing time. Right now, I'm not doing that, okay? So, um, so we get going. And I'll show you the acrostic that I use when I'm having my um, daily time of Bible reading. It's an acrostic that you could uh, spell the word S-O-A-P with, SOAP, S-O-A-P. Let me tell you how it breaks down. Um, the first thing it stands for your scripture. Now, remember a minute ago, I, I was saying the problem with so many people's devotions is, is uh, if they've ever tried to have a devotional life, they try to take on too much, and they'll uh, read you know, X number of chapters of the Bible, and, and you, especially if you get a few of the good books in the New Testament that are just chock full of, you know, think, oh my gosh, I need to think about that, and I need to think about that, and this, and this, and this. The problem, uh, at least I'll speak for myself, and maybe this defines you as well. The problem with any number of us is that I can't remember nine great things that the Lord showed me today in his word, especially when I get to my list of things I've got to do. And I, I, I'm, I can't remember nine things. I can't remember five things. I can't remember three things. I've concluded I can remember one thing. I can focus on one thing. And so what I'm going to challenge us to do is in our daily Bible, as you're reading, just say, Lord, I'm going for one thing. I'm reading this one chapter, or maybe you're going to do a two-chapter or three-chapter or four-chapter plan that'll put you through the whole Bible. Doesn't matter. 
however many chapters you're going to read, you're saying, Lord, give me one verse. One verse. Not eight verses. You can't remember eight verses. One thing. Maybe two verses if it's written by the Apostle Paul because he used a lot of run-on sentences. But, <laughs> but it's still one thought, okay? So uh, I'll just share a, a personal devotion of mine from several months ago that several people have found meaningful that I've shared this with. So I was reading, and, and my New Testament reading was Luke 2. Um, so I read Luke 2, and, and among the verses that jumped out, I'll just put a little check mark by uh, certain verses as I'm reading. I'm like, that could be my one thing. That could be, wow, I never noticed that verse before. Gosh, I forgot that was in the Bible. But you, what you do is you just put a little mark and then you just say when you get to the end, now, Lord, what's my one thing? And you'll be surprised. He'll go, bam, there it is. And so there's your one thing. And so, um, so I got my one thing. I felt like the Lord said, it's Luke 2.52. And I always write out the verse, the actual verse. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and favor with man. Just wrote that out. Now, I'm going to move on after I've got my one thing. I'm like, okay, this is all, it's nothing against all the other verses, but they're all God's word and they're all great, but I can't remember them all. This is the one I'm going to focus on today as I go through my day. So then I move to my O. This is my observation. That's what the O stands for, observation. And, and here I just am going to write down a couple of things. that I, Basically, observation is just, you're just saying, what does it say? That's what an observation is. Uh, what does it say? Well, uh, sorry, I observe that even Jesus, the very son of God, had to grow. Isn't that interesting? Jesus didn't come fully formed. But I mean, what's fully formed, how do we ever exactly understand that? But, but still, he had to grow because he came into the world as a baby. And How did he grow? Well, he had to grow in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and in favor with me. What is that? Well, that's he had to grow mentally and he had to grow physically and he had to grow spiritually in favor with God. And he had to grow sort of social, relationally, in favor with man. And, and I thought to myself, isn't that interesting that Jesus had to grow in the same ways that we have to grow physically and mentally and spiritually and emotional, relationally? And so I just, that's just, that's just that I just sort of making some observations. That is so interesting to me. And so then I'm going to move after I've made some observations, just sort of restating what does it say. Um, then I'm going to move to what we call the A. That's your application. Application is just what does it mean? 
If that's what it says, the application is what does it mean? And particularly for me and my devotions, what does it mean for me today? Well, I was pondering this and the thought came to my mind. Well, you're not, I mean, you've been around a while, Ken. So yes, you need to grow in wisdom and stature and faith. But then he really put my two boys, Wesley and William. I just was just picturing their faces. And it was then I was like, that's my application. That's where you want me applying this. And so I began to write, I need to become more intentional as a dad about helping my boys grow mentally, spiritually, physically, and relationally, socially. Um, and I, I wrote some other things and I kind of pictured each one in my head and, and put a few things down and put the other one and some things here. I'll tell you an interesting thing happened. That very next week when Suzanne and I were having our date night, um, she said, I just feel like the Lord's been telling me we need to be more intentional as parents. I'm like, you're kidding me. He told me that too. Here's what he said in my devotional life, and, and, and I shared that. And so we stacked hands together, she and I did, and said, okay, then one night per week is going to be a night that we're going to just carve out and say no sports, uh, no scouts, no church stuff. It's just going to be a family night, and we're just going to work on putting together a plan uh, where we have extra time with the boys and where we're helping them with uh, putting together a plan to grow in these areas of their lives. So there's just a practical way that, that my devotional time all of a sudden became useful. And then you get down to the final thing to close it out, and this is prayer. And here I just write, uh, Lord, uh, thanks for my boys. You know how much I love them. And da, da, da. But I confess, I've, I've been a little sloppy, or at least not uh, intentional enough about helping them grow and probably just assuming, well, they, I am a pastor, so they'll be all right. And, <laughs> but they need help to grow. If Jesus needed help to grow, then they need help to grow. And I've got to be more into So I just wanted to, I, I wrote, you know, these sorts of things. And uh, in Jesus' name, um, you know, amen. And, uh, and then what I do well, by the way, sometimes people say, so is that your whole prayer life? No, that's not my whole prayer life. Uh, after this, I'll go on, and I, and I have other things that, that I'll be working on in prayer. I don't want to get into that, though, because that's going to be another one of the Sundays. And so, so we'll come back and talk more about uh, daily prayer. But let me round this one out. After I'm done, then I go back to the top, and I give it a title. So maybe I called this one, uh, uh, let's see, I think Growing as... Jesus grew, right? And then I also give it a little page number, 
as I'm going through my journal, so this will be like page 33, let's suppose. You're like, well, why do you do that? Well, here's, this is a cool thing. Then what you do is you get, um, you, you save a few pages at the front of your, your, your notebook. If you're going to use a notebook or if you use an Evernote or electronic, it'll kind of do it for you. But, but what you do is, is, you, is you set up a table of contents at the start of each journal and you have your date, and you have your, your verse, which is your one thing. You have your title, whatever you called it, and then your page number. So you do that day after day, and you'll begin to have a little book. And so you come to today. What's today? 1-8-17. And my text, let's say, was Luke 2-52. And we're growing the way Jesus grew um, and that's page 33, and tomorrow will be the next thing. Here's the interesting thing, friends. You do this week after week, day after day, week after week, month after month. You will begin to see evidentially my soul is growing. I can see now what was always so vague for 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 years now I actually can, I can like go back and, and read. Look at what the Lord showed me back here on this day. Or look what he showed me here. You can even share it with other people. Um, you can even do this with your family. As a matter of fact, we'll post online the next uh, few weeks. We're going to just have some little devotional groups with several people that will cluster every week and, or every morning and do devotions so that you can just see us doing this exercise um, Together, You can do this with your children. If they can write uh, and if they can read, you can begin to teach them how to soap. Um, and so um, we'll leave it at that for today. But suffice it to say, friends, my hope and my desire and my goal for all of us is that we would say as we go into this new year further, it's time for me to not just be a person who is a Christian over here and says, these are my beliefs, though my behavior, my being shows no evidences of transformation whatsoever. Why? Because I've never used any of the tools. I've never done anything really to invest in my soul other than occasionally I drop in for church and, and, or maybe you know, even serve as a, a you know, serve team or whatever. That's not going to sustain your soul, friends. You're going to have to use some of these other rhythms, these other practices, these other tools. But just imagine if our congregation of several thousand, if we all just sort of stacked hands in the middle of the circle at the same time and said, let's do this in 2017. Let's be people who are saying, it's time for me to work on my soul. Uh, I've spent so much time on my externals. But after all, those are all going away, and they'll be buried someday. Let me work on what's going to last forever. Just imagine if all of us were to do that at the same time, learning how to, to, to process the words of God and think the thoughts of God. Can you imagine the transformation that would begin to happen in our lives and just then going out from there into the world? the pockets of light that God would use us to be in this world of darkness as we're carrying his word forth into this dark world. That's the vision that I just really feel has been placed upon my heart. And so I want to give you the challenge. This week, 
six times, okay? Now, I know that the temptation is, is that, well, you know, I skipped yesterday, so I'll double up tomorrow. Yeah, but do, you do that, then finally you're like, well, I skipped six days, so I'll just read the whole, the, 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 take the whole money right now. No, it won't work that way. That's not the way we cultivate our soul. I want you to pull aside, say, 10, 15, 20 minutes, whatever you, you do it morning, noon, night, after everybody's in bed, whenever it works. But you prioritize that. And let's see if when we come back here next week to look at a different habit, if we might not be able to answer the question honestly, if somebody were to ask you, how is your soul that we might be able to answer? As a matter of fact, the last week, I think it may have been healthier than I can ever remember. That's what I'm hoping and praying. Let's pray. Lord, my <clears throat> prayer now is that you would help us to act upon what we've talked about, that you would help us to um, step into this rhythm and embrace it and say, you know what? I, this is a tool that is very usable, but I'll never grow and I'll never get this bridge between what I believe and who I am and in a way that's transformational unless I begin to start to cultivate that. Lord, won't you give us the want to to do it? And if we didn't even come in here with the want to, that you'd give us the want to to want to so that this week might begin to be a transformational week in our souls. I pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to Postscript. Here we hope to answer your questions and help you dig deeper into the messages and sermons at FaithBridge by talking with the teacher of the day. Hi, and welcome to Postscript. I'm Luann Riley, Grow Group and Discipleship Director, and I'm here with Pastor Ken, who just kicked off our series, Resolve for More. Welcome, Pastor Ken. Thanks. Happy New Year. Thank you. Glad to have you back on the uh, yeah. Postscripts yeah. And today. And like so this. we talked about today, so timely, because myself, I've set New Year's resolutions. Uh, My yeah. family has uh-huh. goals and resolutions. Yeah. Um, and we talked about today that the inside matters. And we are working towards setting spiritual disciplines to take care of our soul. And um, so today we started with scripture Mm -hmm. and engaging God's word, um, which is where true transformation comes from. So starting at the source, Mm -hmm. Uh, you mentioned as you walked us through a method soap. Mm -hmm. You mentioned, um, first of all, that there's different translations of the Bible and there's many that we can There's choose from. Can you explain those sure. to us? And how do I know which one to get if I'm Sure. And there? so, right. And because I said different things at the different services, let, let me just see if I can't try to capture the high points for everybody. Um, I encourage people who are new to Bible reading mm-hmm. uh, towards the more reader-friendly translations. Okay. Um, you basically have reader-friendly translations and uh, what you might call more of a scholarly word-by-word translation. So let me give an example. The, the, the most uh, best-selling version of all time is called the NIV. That's a reader-friendly version. Um, 
Another one in the last 15 years or 20 years has been the New Living Translation. That's a very reader friendly. Mm -hmm. uh, Eugene Peterson, 15 yeah. or 20 years ago, wrote The Message, which is very folksy. And um, you can't really go wrong with any of these, especially if you're brand new to God's Word. Let's just get you into His Word. Mm -hmm. um, now, other people, um, maybe who've been around a little bit longer, uh, say, you know, I, I think I want more of a word by word translation than a thought by thought translation. Well, some of the, the more word by word translations would be the new American standard. Um, that's a word by word, the English, uh, standard ESV, uh, new King James version tends to be more that way. Uh, is there a, a better and a worse? No, they're just different. Basically, um, th this category, the bottom category is going to be, uh, it's going to read a little choppier. Mm -hmm. It won't flow quite as well, uh, but it is superbly accurate uh, in translating from the original biblical languages. Uh, I wouldn't describe this as, as inaccurate by any means, but maybe uh, a word or two are shaved off just to capture the concept gotcha. uh, more clearly the way that we try to capture concepts, maybe when we're talking paraphrasing or talking to our children um, without going into quite the weeds. Another thing that I mentioned in one of the services, I think, but I, I don't think I covered it at all, is the, the benefit of what's called a study Bible. Now, the interesting thing about um, any of these translations is that you can get really most any of them in a study Bible, meaning what they're going to do is they're going to wrap uh, God's Word, we'll call the actual text, God's word, and then they'll put a little line here, and then on the bottom of each page, you'll have uh, notes mm -hmm. where Bible scholars have come along and said, if you wanna understand verse 23, here's a little bit more of what verse 23 means, and here's a little bit more of what verse 24 means. And this can be real helpful, mm -hmm. especially when we're new to reading God's word and we're like, I haven't any foggiest idea. What does that mean? To be able to go down to the corresponding verse and say, most scholars believe that this version, oh, that really helps me. So what kind of study Bible? Well, there's different types. There's the NIV study Bible is a classic study Bible. Uh, various famous pastors now even tend to make their own study. But yeah, I've seen the, the, the John MacArthur study Bible. Um, you've got the David Jeremiah study Bible. Um, and um, so you go to a Christian bookstore, you just look online under study. Bible, And you can get the study Bible typically in most any translation that you want because the notes are going to correspond uh, you know, pr pretty much. So you choose your translation, then you choose what 
what flavor of study Bible do you want? And, and that right there is a big step mm-hmm. in helping people get traction who've, who've never felt like, like one lady I was talking to after service said, I'm so glad you did this because we bought our child a new Bible and it seemed like just almost overnight we were into kings and battles and we just got so confused by what's going on and how does this fit into the big story and, and everything. And so this is a real helpful thing to, mm-hmm. to get some tools that can help us to understand, okay, where are we in the big flow of God's word? Because there is you know kind of this big flow, this big story that, that begins at creation uh, and then you have the cross, salvation, and then uh, and the, you know it comes to the final end, the resurrection um, of the church where we go. And pretty much throughout the Old Testament, you're just getting more and more evidence of the fall of man. You're seeing this person kill that person, this people kill that, that people. And it's just evidencing over and over how fallen we are. And then you get to Jesus uh, that's kind of where the New Testament starts. And you get his life in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then you get some of the other letters that come along mm-hmm. after that that give us guidance for the, the formation of our Christian journey and, and how to walk as a Christian. Um, so there is this story, but if you don't have some study notes, um, to help you when you get into some of the weedier books, it can be a little bit confusing, especially gotcha. in the Old Testament. All right. Okay, so, so I'm ready to do this. Mm-hmm. I've selected my version. Mm-hmm. I've got my Bible, mm-hmm. whether it's online, paper, I'm ready to go. You certainly can always do um, online. As I start working through, how, how what's a good way to record what I'm learning sure. or my thoughts? Right, so uh, we talked about the, the importance of having a journal. And I've gone through different phases in my uh, life. For years, I just used a, a, a spiral n- notebook journal like you get in a grocery store. Um, and uh, then somebody gave me a nice leather-bound uh, journal that had the pages in it. I've got the batch of those in my batch of those in my filing cabinets that I've used. Um, some years ago, I began to realize I actually do real well um, t- t- with typing. I've always been pretty good at that. And so I began to chronicle my devotions um, in a format electronically. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's how I tend to do it. But you can't go wrong with any. In fact, uh, we have at the Resource Center what is called the Life Journal, which is basically a spiral notebook that also has the Bible reading plan that we passed out today in the bookmarks okay. all contained in one. And so um, if, you're, uh, if you're old school and you want something that you're holding in your hand, well, I mean, you hold your phone in, or your technology in your hand as well, but uh, if you want to turn the pages, that, uh, that's a good place to start. If, if you're more of an iPad or, or a laptop person, that can work great. Some people use Evernote or, you know, any number of other uh, programs that you can record it on. Okay. So you mentioned 
having a plan. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk to me about that? How do sure. I how do I how do yeah. I find my my plan? Yeah. Do I so, need to follow a plan? Yeah, you need to have a plan. If you don't have a plan, you you you, you plan to fail and fail a plan and all that stuff. You you won't get very far. Uh, so there's a, uh, a, a an, an app called U Version, and um, the great thing about the YouVersion app is I bet they've got 500 or 800 or 1,000 different Bible reading plans. Mm-hmm. Um, just people who've come along and said, hey, this is what I just did for the past year or half year or three months, and I found this very helpful. Mm-hmm. And so you can you know jump on to their plan. Like I said in the sermon and even now, we've given a plan okay. that would give uh, give you what you need to get through the Bible in a year, because a lot of people say, especially here at the beginning of a year, I think I'd like to try to read the whole Bible. Okay, it'll be about four chapters a day, four plus chapters a day, mm-hmm. um, and it's certainly doable. Um, for those who say, I, you know, I've tried this a few times, I really don't want to fall off the wagon. Um, I would say, well, just take that plan and just use the New Testament Mm -hmm. portion um, and just do the New Testament readings for a year. And we'll get back to the Old Testament and the Psalms and all that later. Um, But just do the New Testament portion. Um, That'll bring it down uh, a a little bit. I'll tell you some other things that um, there's a Bible church up in, uh, I want to say it's in, Pennsylvania, I think. I don't remember what it is, but they've put several of their plans on version, and somehow I got onto one of them. And so then I got probing around and found some other plans that they've done with their congregation. Mm-hmm. And one of them is called Key uh, Themes in the Bible. And one of them is called Key Beliefs in the Bible. One of them called Key Characters in the Bible. And one of them is called, uh, wait, Themes, Beliefs, Characters, Events in the Bible. And the interesting thing about this is each of them are 90-day plans. And so together, there's a whole year if you were to use Mm -hmm. uh, this. And... Uh, basically, you get one theme per week. So the theme uh, might be uh, the theme of grace. And so for those seven days, the mm-hmm. texts are going We're to be... All lined gr- up with... Exactly. Yeah, They're okay. going to be about grace. Um, and then the key beliefs, uh, you know, we believe in uh, the Bible. That Maybe seven days worth for a week are going to be on... God's word, and it's a lamp unto our feet, and you know these kind of verses that be your, and then key characters like Noah, um, and uh, key events, and so this can even accomplish two things: it's getting you into the word every day, but it's also orienting you to uh, some categories that, with the, a year's time, can be helpful to have some handles for understanding. But I would encourage people just to spend uh, 20 or 30 or 45 minutes on version, just looking at some of these different uh, plans. Okay. 
Um, at some point or another, I do hope, though, that most people will take the challenge uh, to uh, read the whole thing. Um, and even if you spread that out over two years or spread that out over three years, that they'll get through and then that you do it again because there really is something about uh, getting into the whole counsel of God. But don't try to take it all on in one day like the funny video um, <laughs> that Justin did over the holidays. So let me um, ask you a question. So you mentioned that there was a bookmark today that we gave out. Um, you mentioned that you could get the Life Journal, but if I wasn't here today or I don't prefer paper, can you show me on the FaithBridge app where yeah, sure. I can find the yeah. reading plan? Yeah, sure. So just go to FaithBridge app and to, if I can see here, Bible. So for example, awesome. you just go like, here's today's. Okay. Okay. So today's reading is um, Abraham, Genesis 20, 21, 22. That's your Old Testament reading. Now, if you're only going to do New Testament, because you say, I don't want to bite off too much, uh, then you'll, you'll start down in Luke uh, chapter 8. See, the woman, uh, women who are accompanying Jesus, and, and you get several of those. Um, and so it's a, it's, it's a shorter amount. And so there's today's, and then you go to tomorrow's and just press it, and boom, you're, it'll take you right there for right. your reading. And so another question that came in around this is, do you have a daily devotional or reading plan that you would recommend for your kids, possibly around your age? or This. This. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, if you can read and you can write, you can begin to S-O-A-P. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's probably not going to be published worthy, but <laughs> neither will most of our devotions ever be. Um, but just teaching the, uh, your child, here's what we're going to read. Mm -hmm. This little portion, maybe if, uh, let's start in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, can't go wrong if that's all you ever read forever. And I mean, there is more, but that will get you uh, way down the road spiritually if you could just get Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John over and over and over into your soul um, and teach you the basics about Jesus. So you take a portion of that and uh, give your children a few minutes to, to read it and to write down a few of these thoughts. And It's clumsy at first, but then you get a little bit better. And um, So I'd say uh, this plan is a good one. Good. Yeah. Good. Um, what if you are brand new to Christianity, the whole idea of opening the Bible on your own? I don't, you're telling me where to start, but I'm not going to understand what I read. And honestly, I, I just don't know. What, what are other yeah. places that I could start if I'm brand new at this it, yeah. and it feels overwhelming? Well, certainly our uh, starting point class. Yep. We have two of those starting this month on the 29th. There you go. Which is, how many weeks is that? That's an eight, That's a nine week class. Nine week mm -hmm. class. Mm -hmm. And that happens here uh, at our campuses mm -hmm. and on Sunday mornings mm -hmm. during one of the services. And so you could take part of that. Mm -hmm. um, get signed up for one of our starting point classes. And then, I mean, Luann, what you spend a lot of, most of your time here on staff doing, mm -hmm. getting people into community. Yep. There's nothing like getting people into a small group uh, where you can be growing with some other brothers and sisters who know your name and you know their name. Mm -hmm. And you 
pray for them and they pray for you. And you can uh, learn so much from taking the journey with some other sisters and brothers. Yeah, you know, um, our grow group right now is doing the book of Matthew and we have some relatively new believers in our group. And my leader said to me after the class, you know, they ask the best Always. questions. Yeah. And I said, yeah, because they honestly it's brand new. don't know. It's all brand new. And yeah. so they're causing even those of us who have been believers for longer to really answer the questions and look at it together. So don't feel intimidated if you feel like you're going to walk into a group and everybody already knows because yeah. we're all learning together. That's absolutely right. And that's such a good point. Um, you know, <laughs> I was talking about the soul today. And I think what your leader is pointing out is that in many ways, the newer Christian, the newer believer, or even the newly, I'm not quite a believer, but I think I'm about to become a believer. Um, in many ways, his or her soul is healthier than some, maybe a lot of us who've, we've been Christians a long time and, but uh, maybe there's been this big chasm that we were talking about. And so what a wonderful thing when uh, a new soul comes in and is asking such good questions. It's like, you know, I know I wondered that 15 years ago or 20 years ago, mm -hmm. but I need to get back to wondering that and thinking about that and wrestling about that. So, it's good. good. Well, this is a great way to start off the new year. Good. I'm looking forward to part two coming up next week. So yeah. thank you for that. And thank you for joining us here for Postscript. We'll see you back here next week. Thanks for joining us for Postscript. Help us keep the podcast interactive by submitting your questions during the morning services. Learn more at faithbridge.org postscript.